spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. And it came to pass on the morrow that the rulers and the elders and the scribes and Ananias the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many that were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had sat in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of, pe- of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corners. I love verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. That's all the Scripture we'll read for now, but we will look further into this chapter. But when we come to Acts chapter 4, the first four words of the chapter tie us back to last week's sermon, last week's message. If he was not here, I'll bring you up to speed. In Acts chapter 3, beginning part of the chapter, Peter and John are headed to the temple to pray. And they see this lame man. The Bible said he was laid at the gate of the temple daily. He was begging alms. And he was begging of a financial, uh, to receive financial help from Peter and John. And Peter and John looked at him and said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And Peter took him by the right hand, and the man received strength in his legs and in his feet. And the Bible said uh, that he glorified God. He went into the temple, temple leaping and praising God. And all the people saw that, and they marveled. They wondered at that. So Peter took that opportunity while the crowd is focused on this man who was healed. He took the opportunity uh, to preach the gospel to those people, uh, to tell them about how this man received his healing. We said this last week that when Jesus was on the earth and he performed a miracle that if a blind man or a lame man, whatever situation it was, uh, they could take people back and said, see that man right there? He is the one who touched me. He is the one who healed me. In fact, there were many that did that. But we know the Lord Jesus has already ascended back to heaven in this text. So Peter and John want to make sure that the people do not give them any credit, uh, that the people do not give them any glory, uh, but they say it was by Jesus Christ whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead. That is why this man stands before you today. And so he is preaching. He's telling them about the Lord. That's where chapter number 4 opens up. While they're preaching, while they're speaking, they begin to be under persecution. This is the first recorded 
persecution of the church in church history. And it comes about two chapters into the life of the church. I don't think Peter and John were surprised at this persecution. I believe they remember what the Lord told them in the upper room that night in John 15. He said, if the world hate you, you know that it hated hated me before it hated you. Let me remind you this morning that the world, and when I say the world, I'm talking about the world society and the sin and the wickedness, those uh, that despise the Bible, those that despise the church, they really don't have a problem uh, with you and I personally this morning. They have a problem with Jesus Christ. And because we're the representation of Jesus Christ on the earth, they hate us because they hate Jesus. And Peter and John are experiencing that. I was reading one writer this week. He said, uh, he was quoting a man. I, I know nothing about this man, uh, good or bad. I'm just going to read you the quote. He said, C.S. Lewis said, Instead of threatening the body, Satan's persecution today is aimed at the ego of the church. They threaten our selfish pride, need for acceptance or status. Satan has largely destroyed the spiritual effectiveness of the church without having to kill the individual believers in it. In fact, letting believe Believers live a self-centered, complacent, and a worldly life is more effective in keeping people from being attracted to the Christian faith rather than killing them. What is Lewis saying there? He's saying in these last days, even though we know uh, that we have Christians, brothers and sisters that are dying for their faith in Muslim countries and in countries where they despise the gospel, we don't want to minimize that this morning. Uh, but here in America, uh, it's really not uh, them threatening us physically. we got a little taste of maybe some persecution in 20, uh, but nothing like what uh, our Christian brothers and sisters in other nations of the world have dealt with uh, where they literally lost their life for preaching the gospel. But here's what Lewis is saying. He's saying Satan's not just attacking the church's body, but he's wanting the, the church to feel like they need to be accepted of the world. I said it in Sunday school. Anybody in the world is welcome to come into this building and hear the preaching of the Word of God. But our church does not need to become like the world uh, to reach the world. And somebody would say, Preacher, I'm looking at your building this morning and you've got empty pews and this building's not packed and you would be correct. And Preacher, the way you're doing it must not be working. Well, the way I'm doing it is what the Word of God laid out. Come out from among them and be ye separate. In fact, do you know what that word church literally means? It is the Greek word ekklesia, which means a called out assembly. It means they are to be different. Brother Mike Austin, I saw, made a quote this week. He said, he said, the church ought to be different because the Lord expects it to be different and really the world expects the church to be different. They expect there ought to be a difference when they come to the house of God. They may not like it. They may not agree with it. In fact, that's one of the reasons why persecution came is because they did not like uh, that Peter and John stood up and preached. There is only one name. There is only one way to heaven and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to deal this morning with this early church. Throughout the book of Acts, you're going to see persecution in the church. We'll see it in Acts 4, Acts 5, Acts 7, Acts 12. Uh, throughout the book of Acts, there's persecution. There's persecution coming against them. But I want to remind us of the words of our Lord in Matthew 16 when He told Peter, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock, not Peter, but upon this rock, 
I will build my church. Here's what Jesus said. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want to preach on this thought this morning. The church is just going to go on. The church will go on. Here's what I mean by that. You find in the infant days of the church, they got a, they got, they're just, they're just getting the ball rolling, if you allow me to use that terminology. And right off the bat, persecution's coming against them. But you know what you find all throughout the book of Acts? The church is just going on. They're just going forward. They're still preaching. Oh, they're still testifying about the Lord. Oh, they're still praying. Oh, they're still trying to live for God. And may this be an example to you and I of what we need to do in the last days. The church just needs to go on. Keep going forward. Press on. Let's look at the text quickly. Number one, we find the grieved people in verses 1 through 3. This word grieved is used in verse number 2. It means to be troubled, to be displeased, to be pained, or to be worked up. Now, who were these grieved people? Well, first of all, I want you to notice in verse 1, they were religious. The Bible said that it was the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees. And the Bible said they came upon them. That word, that little phrase, came upon them. It means to seize. It means to take suddenly. And there are basically two religious groups that come against Peter and John in verse 1. You've got the Levites in these verses. That is the priest and the captain of the temple. The Levites were the chosen tribe out of the tribe of Levi that God chose in the book of Exodus uh, to be over the tabernacle and to be over the proceedings of the temple. And then you had the Sadducees. And the Sadducees were the arch rivals of the Pharisees. We've heard about them a good bit. The Sadducees were their arch rivals. It's Caroline and Duke between them. But it's always amazing. They come together for one reason and that was to attack Jesus. Ain't amazing how people that hate each other will unify to attack the gospel and to attack the Lord Jesus. And this is an old preacher joke. It's a bad preacher joke. But there ain't one preacher in the world that can preach about the Sadducees and not tell that it's a dad joke. But the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection and that's why they were sad, you see. Ain't that corny? Ain't that a dad joke? Ain't that's horrible? It's more of a preacher joke, but uh, but I guess that's why they were sad. They did not believe in the resurrection. I guess if I believed uh, that life ended at the grave, I'd be sad too. I guess I'd have a bad attitude as well. But aren't you glad that Paul reminds us uh, that death is not the end for the child of God, uh, but death is just the beginning? Amen. So that is that, and we would we would say that uh, Paul said uh, Paul said if in this life only we have hope in Christ we are of all men most miserable. In other words, said if we didn't believe in the resurrection we'd be some miserable people. Well, that's who the Sadducees were. They were religious. But then notice the reasoning in verse number two. The Bible says, "Being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead." What they get mad at Peter and John was Peter and John knocking over. Uh, things in the temple? Uh, were they cursing at people? Uh, were they being disrespectful? Were they being unkind? No, they were simply telling people that Jesus Christ died and that He was buried and that He rose again and that He was the one that should receive the glory for this lame man being healed. And they got mad about it. It, it, could, be saying, it could be said the same thing today we're living in. You know, for the most part, society doesn't mind you talking about God. They don't mind you talking about God. I don't watch the award shows, but Brother Eric's told me about the country music award shows that he watches, and he's told, I, I've never seen that he told me, all right? <laughs> Smile, amen. 
But you know what? They'll sing about drinking and fornication and living like the devil. And then what's the first thing they say when they get a award? I want to thank God. They don't mind. The world don't mind that. But when you get talking about Jesus Christ, and when you get to identify that God had a son, and his name was Jesus Christ, and he did no wrong, he did no sin, he was born of a virgin, and that he was crucified, and that he rose again, they have a problem with that. That's why they don't want you praying in Jesus' name at a high school graduation. That's why they don't want, want you. A few years ago, we fought the battle here in Rowan County. Probably about 11, 12 years ago now, they had the battle in Rowan County about the county commissioners of being allowed to pray if they would choose to. Not saying they had to, but if they chose to, giving them the liberty uh, to conclude their prayer by saying, in Jesus' name. They have a problem with that name, Jesus. They were religious, they're reasoning. Then notice the rage in verse 3. And they laid their hands on them and put them in the hold under the next day, for it was now evening tide. Their anger was so strong, they put Peter and John under arrest. The grieved people. But I want you to notice the gospel's power. Look at verse number 4. How be it? Many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. Now notice three things in this verse quickly. Notice the word. How many, how be it, many of them which heard the word. Now I love this. Peter and John are in prison. They're in shackles, if you would. They are bound down. But here's what Paul said, 2 Timothy 2, 9, wherein I suffer trouble, trouble as an evildoer, even under bonds, but the Word of God is not bound. Here's what Paul said. Paul said, I'm in prison. My, my hands are chained. I am bound. I can't get out. But Paul said, I'm going to tell you this. I may be bound. I may be confined. But the Word of God's not bound. There is no chains on God's Word getting out. That's the th- same thing that happened in our text. Peter and John are put in the hold. Oh, they're put under arrest. Uh, but while they're in prison, the Word that was preached was still going forward. The men were bound, but the message was not bound. Amen. Then notice their will. The Bible said, How be it many of them which heard the word, here's their will, believed. They believed what they heard. The Bible said, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. They responded to the word of God. Then notice the wonder in this verse. And the number of the men was about 5,000. Now let's have a little review. How many got saved on the day of Pentecost? 3,000. Today, in this sermon, 5,000 got saved. Now I was reading a writer this week who I respect, but I have to respect and disagree. He said that there was actually 5,000 people saved that day, but it was 5,000 total in the church now. But that's not what the Bible said. The Bible said, How be it many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the, a number of the men was about 5,000. Well, in Acts 2, it says the number of souls was 3,000. Souls could be men, women, boys, and girls. But in this text, just 5,000 men were saved. And you know what that tells me? The gospel has power. The gospel has power. It's, it's, it's interesting. Peter didn't have a sound system. P- Peter didn't have a pulpit. Uh, Peter didn't have a piano. Thank God for all these things. Peter didn't have live stream. <laughs> Wasn't those the days. Amen. Peter didn't have all these things. But you know what he had? He had the gospel. He had the message that Jesus died and rose again and 5,000 men got saved. There is the grieved people, the gospel's power. But then verses 5 through 14, there is the granted privilege. Verses 5 through 7, 
The reason I call this the granted privilege is because Peter and John were allowed to give a public statement on what they believed and why they believed it. Notice the asking in verse 5 through 7. It came to pass on the morrow that the rulers and elders and scribes and Ananias, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, Alexander, goes to all those men. Verse 7. And when they had set them in the midst, Peter and John in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? They set Peter and John down. All these people looked at them and said, All right, how would you all do that? Notice the answer in verse 8 through 10. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers and people, uh, ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if, this, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him, that this man stand before you whole. Peter said, I'm going to tell you exactly why this man is standing here today. It's because of Jesus Christ. It's because of Him. Now, I love this. When Peter gave this answer, the Bible said he was full of the Holy Ghost. The feeling of the Spirit occurs, one writer said, the feeling of the Spirit occurs when the believer walks in obedience to the Word and to the Spirit. Yielding to His control is the power in the believer's life. Preacher, I want to be filled with the Spirit. That is a command, Ephesians 5. You want to be filled with the Spirit? Obey this book. One preacher said, A feeling of the Spirit will follow being filled with the Scripture and obeying it. Do like James said, just don't be a hearer of the Word, be a doer of the Word. Don't just don't listen to it on Sunday, but put it in shoe leather on Monday. He said, if you just be a hearer and a doer, you're going to deceive your own self. Peter made sure that Jesus Christ received all the credit. You know, it would have been real easy to say, yep, it was me and John that done that. That'd been real easy. I mean, because Jesus ain't there. Yeah, me and John done that, boy. You better thank God for me and John. Boy, there's a lot of people that have not really not at this church, but in some churches I preached at. There are some people that have the mentality, boy, this church wouldn't be anything without me. Wouldn't be anything without my money. It wouldn't be anything without my talent. I'm gonna tell you, the church was going on before you got here, before I got here, and long after I'm gone, you're gone. If the Lord hadn't come, it'll still be going on. Why? Because it ain't my church. It's God's church. I call y'all my people, but y'all aren't mine. I didn't buy y'all. I didn't, I didn't save y'all. I didn't change y'all. I, I say y'all are my people because I love you. I'm your pastor. And I want to try to be your shepherd. I say that in an affectionate term. But y'all are the Lord's people. This is God's church. This is the Lord's church. And I'm the under-shepherd. I, I've, put, I've been put into authority here by the Lord. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're God's people. And the only one that should ever get credit, glory, or praise is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Notice the analogy, verse 11. This is the stone which is set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Peter is quoting from Psalm 118, verse 22, and applied it to their rejection of Jesus Christ. He said, you rejected the stone, it's become the cornerstone. Now what's a cornerstone? Well, it's a stone that goes in the corner. <laughs> Some of y'all get that after a while. My Bible college education was worth every dollar of it. Amen. What does a corner do? You know what a corner does? It brings two separate walls together. That's what Jesus did. Man and God was separated. And so at Calvary, Jesus became that cornerstone and reconciled God and man together. You know what Peter said, though? Y'all rejected him. And when he says y'all, he didn't say y'all. If he had been from North Carolina, he'd have said y'all. He said ye. He said ye rejected him. And when he says ye, he literally means these individuals. Caiaphas, Ananias. Jesus stood before these men. And they rejected him and allowed him to be crucified. 
And Peter said, he's the cornerstone and you rejected him. That's the analogy. But then notice the authority in verse 12. I love verse 12. Neither is there salvation to any other. You know, I say I love verse 12 like I don't love all. I love it all. There's some verses you really, really like. Amen. Neither is there salvation to any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The name, when they said what name, that talks about the authority. What power, what authority. Peter said, I'm going to tell you who it was. It was the name of Jesus Christ. And there ain't no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Here's what Peter said. If you want to get saved, you've got to go through the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus said unto them in John 14:6, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man coming to the Father but by me. Joining the church won't get you to heaven. Being baptized in the baptistry won't get you to heaven. Being a good person won't get you to heaven. The only way anybody gets to go to heaven is by putting their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. The songwriter said it right when they said, Nothing in my hands I bring. What are you going to bring Jesus? I mean, what are you going to bring the one who already made the sacrifice of that appease the wrath of God? Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Notice the assessment in verse 13 and 14. They considered the messengers in verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were unlearned ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge that they had been with Jesus. I wonder if anybody could look at my life or your life and say, I believe they've been with Jesus. You know why they saw that? And, 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 I'm not, and I don't mean this in the wrong way. It ain't when they saw the compassion of Peter and John. But also when they saw the boldness now, boldness ain't being a jerk for Jesus. Somebody help me. Boldness ain't screaming in people's faces and all. That's not boldness. That, that's ignorance. Peter and John was not rude. They were not unkind. But they stood. And they had a backbone. And they said, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they said, they've been with Jesus. Then they, con- they considered the messengers. But then they considered the miracle. Verse 14. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Now don't miss this. Peter and John, they've been set before the council. And here's that fellow that was lame, that laid at the gate. He's standing there with them. And they're like, well, we can't argue with that. He was lame. And he ain't no... They knew him. He laid at the gate daily. They go to the temple daily. They're like, well, he was out there lame. He asked me for money every day. And well, there he is. They can say nothing against it. There's the grieved people, the gospel's power, the granted the granted privilege, but then I want us to notice the godless plot. Verse 15 through 22. We're, we'll be done here in just a few moments. But let's look on to the text. Notice the council, verse 15 and 16. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them as manifest to them all that are in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. They said, Everybody saw this. What are they going to do? So here's their command, verse 17 and 18. Watch what they said. This is why I call it godless. But that it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth in, uh, to no man in this name. This name being the Lord Jesus' name. Verse 18. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. You know what they were trying to do? They said, we're going to put a stop to this right now that it spread no further. I don't think it worked. Because <laughs> all those men are dead. And we're still here preaching the gospel. And the word of God in the name of Jesus is being proclaimed. It didn't work. Notice, notice their commitment, verse 19 and 20. 
But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than to God, unto God ye judge. Verse 20. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. I, I grew up around an old mountain preacher named Rayton Puckett. He's with the Lord now. Just went to heaven last year. But he used to preach out of this text on Peter and John had a case of the can't help it. They said, Peter and John, quit preaching in Jesus' name. They said, we can't help it. We've done seen too much. We've done heard too much. It's filled our hearts. And, and God has filled our souls. We have to tell everyone. You ever had a case of the can't help it? Where you're just so full of God and just so full of the fact that Jesus loved you and He died for you and He saved you, you had to tell somebody? That's what we ought to live our life. We ought to live every day enthused and, and, and impacted by the fact that Jesus loved me. He died for me. I know He died for the world, thank God. But when you bring it down, He died for me. See, I know me. I know how sorry I am. I know how wicked I am. But Jesus loves me. What a miracle. Don't get too excited about that. Notice the confounding. Verse 21 and 22. So when they had further threatening them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old on whom the miracle healing was showed. It wasn't, they're saying, by that it means he didn't grow out of it. It wasn't something that he was like seven or eight and he got healed and he kind of grew up out of his situation. He's 40 years old and he wasn't walking and now he's walking. <laughs> and you, uh, Amen. See, Brother Eric, and you see the opposite digression of that. He's been laying floor the last two days. He usually walks fine. But now he's like the lame man. He's having trouble walking. Amen. Why? Because he's been crawling around the floor for two days. I'm 31 years old. I helped him a little bit Friday and I was having tr- trouble yesterday getting up. But here's this man, he's 40 years old, he's never walked, and now he's walking. They couldn't say anything against it. They were confounded. Notice the glorified praise, verses 23 through 31. Peter and John leave, notice the report in verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported to all the chief, all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. They went back to the church and say, y'all ain't going to believe what happened today. And watch what they did in verse 24. There was a report in verse 23. The rejoicing, verse 24. And when and they, when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in that uh, that is in uh, and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ for of a truth against thy holy child Jesus whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate and with the Gentiles and the people of Israel to gather together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done so I said preacher why are they rejoicing they went back and quoted Psalm 2 they were rejoicing that the scriptures were being fulfilled and they saw it they said this is exactly what David said in the second Psalm they have rejected him we're seeing it I said it in Sunday school this morning. Everybody getting upset over the one world government, the one world church. It don't bother me. You know what? It lets me know we're getting close to the Lord coming again. It, it's letting me see the Scripture. I'm not looking for signs. I'm looking at Scripture, amen. And we're seeing Scripture being fulfilled. And now it calls us to rejoice that just any day now the Lord's coming, amen. Notice the request, verse 29 and 30. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants 
that with all boldness they may speak thy word, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. Now don't let that holy child Jesus bother you. That's just another term for the Son of God. I'm 31 years old, but I'm still my mama's child. It's just a term for the Son of God. Don't let that bother you. Don't let, don't let Roman Catholics take that and try to use it. Everybody wants to keep Jesus as a baby. They don't want to grow up and be a man. But it's just another reference for the Son of God. You know what they're praying in this text? Lord, would you continue to give us the boldness to continue to preach? Because they knew more persecution was coming. The results, verse 31, when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the Word of God with boldness. After this persecution, what they did, they prayed. They said, Lord, you helped us through this one. But, Lord, there's going to be more coming down the road. Would you help us to stand firm? Wouldn't it be awful to take a stand and do good for a little while and then not stand and fail the test? Last of all, the great product. What, what was produced out of this as we close this morning? What was produced out of this first persecution? How did it affect the church? Three things, and I'm done. They still had unity. Look at verse 32. And when the multitude of them which believed were of one heart and of one soul, neither said any of them that all of the things that he, which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. Persecution didn't drive the church apart. It drove them together. They still had unity. Verse 33, they still had unction. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. And they were still unselfish. Verse 34. The Bible says... Uh, let's see here, verse, I got the verses marked on my notes, I'm sorry. And neither was there any among them that had lacked, for as many that were possessed of land or houses sold them, and they brought the prices of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, by whom the apostles surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, Levi, and the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. You would think, in the world we live in today, that persecution and being threatened to lose everything we have would make us tighten up, keep everything to ourselves. But it didn't do that to the early church. They just kept giving. And they kept being unselfish. They said, you know, it's not about us. We want to make sure this message gets out. You know what happened? The church went on. The church goes on in spite of persecution. The church goes on in spite of opposition, in spite of hatred, in spite of trials, struggles, difficulties, government overreach. The church will go on in spite of communism, socialism, liberal theology, demonic attacks, what the world, what the, what the wickedness of this world is pushing on our families and our homes. The church is going to go on. And one day the trumpet's going to sound and the church is going to go on. The Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another. With what? With these words. Jesus is coming again. But you know what we got to do till He comes? we got to go forward. we got to keep preaching the Scriptures. we got to keep praying in the Spirit. We need to keep pursuing sinners. Give people to God. I ordered some track, more tracks this week. They're being printed now. Keep telling people about the Lord. Practice in separation. Live a different life. Praising the Savior and preparing for the second coming. Let the church go on. The church... It, when, here's the thing. Brother Matthew, come on. I'm done. The church made it through its first persecution trial. Amen? Wouldn't it be awful to be right here at the end before the Lord comes and we begin to compromise? 
Now, I'm saying the church as a whole is going to go on. But wouldn't it be awful if this church didn't make it, this local assembly? If we compromise, we say, well, it's not that big of a deal. If you believe that you know, being water baptized will get you to heaven, or, or you just believe what you want to believe as long as you're sincere. No, that's not the message. Neither is there salvation any other. It is only in one, and that's Jesus Christ. May the church go and may God help us to keep on going for the glory and honor of God. Let's stand together. I preached 32 minutes. He's going to play through one verse. If you need to come pray, these altars are open as we stand. I appreciate your attention. May God help us as believers to go on. Paul said it like this, Therefore, my beloved brethren,